Welcome to Jaws of Justice Radio on 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. It's Monday morning. My name is Terry. Today, host Bev Livingston begins the hour speaking with Johnny Waller, Jr., CEO of the University of Missouri's Kansas City Clear My Record Expungement Program. Criminal records as part of justice for victims of crime and hardship confronted by ex-cons is seen as part of their choice in committing acts of violence, theft, or fraud. On the other hand, forgiveness can be a powerful thing. At a time of historic and deadly crime, the Kansas City Mayor and Council are working to clear criminal records for those who have served their sentence and completed probation because Kansas City is committed to creating a fair and equitable justice system and residents with a criminal record can face significant barriers in employment, housing, and societal participation. Now, the first Friday of every June will be observed as Kansas City Expungement Day. And September 17th to the 24th, 2023, right now, is recognized as National Expungement Week so that awareness can be raised about the importance of expungement. Our guest, Johnny Waller, Jr., CEO of UMKC's Clear My Record Expungement Program, is a recognized leader in assisting residents navigate the expungement process, which involves the sealing of criminal and ordinance violation conviction records in order to provide a fresh start for individuals, allowing them to fully participate in our community and contribute to our local economy. After our calendar, in the second part of our hour, I will speak with Jeff Stack, a self-employed public educator from Columbia, Missouri, who helps coordinate the Mid-Missouri Fellowship of Reconciliation, and Halo Benson, an advocate for Julian Assange and WikiLeaks. All over the world, activists and volunteers have been hard at work to bring awareness to the prosecution of Julian Assange and the continued threat to free press. On Jaws of Justice, we examine how to find justice in our society. Justice will not be served until those who are unaffected are as outraged as those who are. Now, our show. Good morning, Johnny. How are you, sir? I'm doing okay. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, and we're kicking off the week to recognize expungement in Kansas City. Did you have anything to do with this? (laughs) Yeah, I uh, actually wrote the wrote the resolution and then worked with the city, uh, people like Melissa Johnson, Connor Swatton, our team at the law school, and and it passed. Like, so it was the first time I ever wrote a resolution and it passed. Well, congratulations. Thank you. And it was work well needed and done. We'd like to talk to you a little bit about the awareness of expungement and what do you find to be the most difficult understanding for people how expungement works. So I'd like for you to say what can be expunged or what's still on the table to be considered for expungement, why and how we're gonna be able to get that second chance for many others. Yeah, first I'd like to say that uh, there's two different types of expungements in Missouri. There's the uh, constitutional amendment that passed with the marijuana and those are, are supposed to be automatic um, 
expungements, and then there's the statutory 610-140 type of expungements. And those are the ones that we normally focus on. We also do uh, marijuana expungements as well uh, for people who are still incarcerated on those charges. And I think um, people get the misconception that anything in Missouri is expungible. It's not anything that has to deal with murder, anything that has to do with sexual abuse of a child, anything that has to do with uh, domestic uh, violence, um, things of that nature. Um, Anyone who has to register on the sex offenders list, uh, they're not eligible um, for an expungement. And so at this current point, the only way to move forward in in your life is to get an expungement. Uh, There's two types of action in in Missouri. There's the expungement process and then there's a pardon process. And the governor has those those pardon processes. But given that there's 1.8 million people in Missouri with a criminal record, I highly doubt the governor's gonna pardon 1.8 million um, people and so um, having a, a criminal record, whether that's whether you receive that in, in Jackson County or maybe municipal court, um, it really precludes you from moving forward with your life. You know, when you go to apply for an apartment complex, you'll get denied because 90 percent of them do background checks on so employment, do background checks. Even if you wanted to go to school like I did, they still do background checks. Mm-hmm. And so the ability to move forward with your life in a productive way is severely hampered by um, having these criminal charges on your record. Additionally, it, dis- it, it disproportionately affects people of color and minority. Um, so we're incarcerated at a faster rate. In some cases, we're given uh, longer sentences. And then I think people forget about the, the stigma of of having a, a criminal conviction. People call you convicts and um, people stereotype you. People put you in this box and it's very hard to, to get out. And um, expungement is like a clear way forward where, where you can get some of these things off your record. Well, it's good to know that Kansas City is on board with recognizing expungement. What is it looking like nationwide? Is expungement important in other areas, as far as you know, or what? Yeah, there's there's several states that, uh, well, there's some states that, you know, only have pardons. There's some states that just have expungement, and there's a combination of both. Um, there's other uh, there's states that's working on the clean slate legislation, which is, the automatic uh, sealing of a of a criminal record, and it takes the burden off of the person, and, and puts it on the state. But I will say this: that it's very inconsistent from state to state. Mm-hmm. Um, and since I don't think people, some people don't understand that you have to get an expungement or a pardon in the, where the place you were convicted at. Mm-hmm. And so, if you were if you were convicted somewhere else and you moved to Kansas City, you have to go back to that particular place. And so we'll, an example is uh, Kansas and Missouri. Um, if, you, if you committed a crime in Kansas uh, and you moved to Missouri, you would have to go back to, to Kansas. Mm-hmm. Um, Kansas. Kansas laws are a little bit better than ours when it comes to, exp- well, a lot better than ours. So when it comes to expungement, um, it says that person would be able to, to successfully get an expungement and move forward with their lives. It's a lot more challenges here in the state of Missouri. 
Well, this is an area that I am very proud and, and grateful that Kansas City is committed to creating a fair and equitable justice system because so many people talk about the justice system, but I learn from time to time, depending on the situation and circumstances, that sometimes it's just a system. It's systemic changes and opportunities that allow the second chances, that allow us to look inside the impacts and effects that having and not having the second chance works for those who are trying to raise families and trying to deal with the barriers that you just mentioned, such as employment and jobs. Um, housing and and just social participation. So I do hope that those listening to us today will know that there is a second chance opportunity through expungement. Now, if we can talk a bit about the process, we can let people know how affordable, what the timeline is, how many hoops they have to jump through, (laughs) if any, and just how to get to the finish line on getting expungement. Yeah, and so uh, we have an intake on the if 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 you were to look up the Clear My Record project, uh, the first thing that'll pop up is an intake, so people can go and really fill out this intake form, and it'll go to our team. We have a great team with uh, Dean Suny, Sydney Ragsdale, uh, uh, Bailey. Uh, we just got an intern, Victoria. So we have a great team. Uh, they'll be able to get that uh, intake. Uh, do an investigation into what that crime is, whether it's eligible or ineligible, um, call the person in. Um, we do have income guidelines. So we we do not charge for this again. This mm-hmm. is this is something free. You meet the you meet the income uh, guidelines. Um, and then if you're eligible for expungement, you meet all the criteria. Um, either uh, Dean Suny, Sydney, or Sydney supervising the students, because we do have students involved in mm-hmm. some of these cases. Um, they will go to court and represent you, and we're pretty successful at it. I'd say we're, we're, we're the best in town, but that's just my personal, that's just my personal opinion. And so normally we try to help anybody who fits into the criteria. Um, Yesterday I ran into a guy, um, he should be coming to the clinic soon. He was on disability, he had a drug charge from a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, come to the clinic, come see me, my team will take care of you. Um, and so it's absolutely free because perpetual punishment of people is wrong. Yes. And the mere fact that we've convinced ourselves that by locking people up or by this, this thing we call mass incarceration that's really gotten out of control, that we're safer for it. But people forget that if you if someone does their, their time and does everything that they're supposed to do, then if they can't move forward in their life, what exactly do you think they're gonna go to? Right, and I think people forget about that because we've been told that this means public safety and that means public safety, and it's not it's not it's not truthful. Mm-hmm. Right, we're actually causing harm to people, and in some cases, crime increases because you you put someone in a situation where they can't feed themselves, they can't mm-hmm. take care of their family, they can't move forward, and they go back to what they know. Right, and then 
the recidivism continues to grow because people have to do what they know works for them. So you have encouraged me to be able to tell people that the second chance is on the table for them and the time to move on it is right now because the work that has been put into this to get Kansas City to have expungement day and to recognize it needs to be a national day of recognition and to get it done because I do know that many people just won't even try to apply for jobs or fill out an application because of the record that they have that they've already served their time they've already done what they need to do even to pay restitution fines and fees and they still have that box to check and we worked hard to ban the box and many places have the box banned but when it comes to the attention of the powers that be there there's still that stigma and it's still that resistance to giving people who have already served time, been there, done that, and trying to live a normal life, whatever normal is for them, and get the records clear. I mean, the only way to get through systems now is to be able to pass that background check. And anything that we can do to help people right or wrong and get the background checks ready for them to be accepted is all about doing the work that God wants us to do and need to do. And I thank you for being in the game. You want to talk a little bit about why expungement is important to you and maybe what your life journey was like to make (laughs) you feel that this is a mission that you want to accomplish. Yeah, I can speak a little bit about it. So many people know when I went to prison for possession and possession with intent to deliver. And it's strange because I got caught with, I went to prison when I was 18 years old for marijuana, which Missouri has now legalized. And so I got five years in prison for a substance that's now that's now legal and they're making, they're making tax money off of. And when I was released from prison, um, my, I had a parole officer in, in Belton, but I applied for 175 jobs and didn't get one of them. Um, I tried to go to school, uh, couldn't go to school. Um, tried to move out and I couldn't move out. And I got so frustrated, I went and got a gun and I told my mother just to send me back to prison. Like, it's easier in prison, I just want to go back to prison. And fortunately, she, um, we, we, we live next to a gas station, 1331 East Bannister Road. And the guy was nice enough to give me a job despite me having a, a conviction and I was able to, to, to move forward with my life and I ended up going to uh, ended up going to school, uh, went to Johnson County and got a degree, went to Rockhurst twice, graduated with my master's degree with a three point nine eight GPA, uh, which is which was tough because I never went to high school. Mm-hmm. And so I came from a really bad neighborhood. I got shot in the head, some stuff happened to me. And eventually I was pardoned and given my gun rights back and then ultimately I got an expungement. And so to me this is very important because it's, it's literally the only, the only way to move forward with your life. I'm not unique, there's people out there like me. Um, and I don't want people to have to go through the same to have to do all of the things that I did to move forward with their life. I I had to do, you know, go to classes, go here, meet this person, do this, do that. And I just don't think someone has should have to go through all of that to 
to to live a meaningful life and take care of their children and enjoy their family. Um, you know, a lot of us we want to pay taxes, we want to have a career, we want to we want to contribute, we want to do these things, but we're not allowed to. It's it's like it's like being the outs like the the city's in this glass bubble. And you're sitting on the outside of the glass bubble watching everybody go about their lives and you're just stuck out there, Mm -hmm. right? And it gets frustrating, it gets lonely, you feel hopeless, you get depressed, you think about suicide, all of these things because you really can't move forward because someone else has decided that going to prison wasn't enough, that being on probation wasn't enough. Well, I am so glad to meet the man that you are now. I'm grateful for the, the guy with the gas station that gave you that chance to work and for you to have the tenacious spirit to be able to go forward and have the fortitude with all the pushbacks with all the things that you encountered that somebody said you couldn't but you did and that is what makes you so important to helping others recognize that expungement is not a miracle that you know they might be able to afford it is something that people should be entitled to because we serve a god of a second chance and there are many times that people do things just on the fly, you know, just happened to be in the wrong place, wrong time, or made a bad decision, or under the influence of something that made them do what they did. So therefore, to have the support systems, the social services, which social services aren't always the answer, and it's not always the magic button to push to get out of a situation. It's gotta start in your your mind and in your heart first. But who were some of those people other than your mother or family members that helped you along the way as you became the man that got all those jackets off of you and all of those past experiences that maybe the voice on your left was saying, oh yeah, you can do that one more time. Go ahead and get that gun. Go ahead and do this, do that. That's a quick fix, you know, you need the money. Or that voice that said, good things are worth waiting for and good things will come to you because you have earned it, you have paid it forward, you have done what is expected of you. So what happens in those moments for you and for others? Yeah, I, I remember when I left prison, uh, the, the officer said, we'll have your buck ready, Waller, you'll be back. And, you know, that was a... A crushing moment that I was leaving because they had this expectation that that I would come back, and so a lot of people know I've been arrested like 36 times. I've been on trial in a couple of different states, and it started with myself. Like the last time I got arrested, I was like, "I'm tired of going to jail. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of that." So I've got to start taking some accountability and responsibility for myself and some of the decisions that I'm making. And then my mom was very, very supportive. Um, and then I met great people along the way. Like, a lot of this work I wouldn't be doing. Like, Laura McDonald, like, she was the first person to introduce me into, into like, community work and advocacy and, and stuff like that. Um, so it was great. And then I met some, some local people, uh, people like Terry Dunn, who, who I worked with a lot. Um, we talked about community building, um, helped me going to Rockhurst University. Uh, the people there uh, helped me see things uh, differently. So I've met along the way a bunch of 
a bunch of great, great people. Deidre Anderson, Alana Mueller, uh, like all of these people have helped me. Mayor Pro Tim, shout out to her, because um, you know we worked on this this resolution together. So there was a lot of people in my path that helped me get to where uh, I am. So yeah, I had a lot of intestinal fortitude, but I had a lot of friends and a lot of help to support some of the things that I was that I was doing. And so I'm grateful for everybody who's who's been in my life and provided that support and believed in. And second chances. It's strange that that a nation that was built on second chances hmm. does not want to really provide you with a second mm, chance. Mm, mm. Uh, it yeah. never fails. When I hear stories, you have quite a testimony, and and I, I'm so glad that you survived the things that has really taken a lot of people out, and you come out of it not bitter. Your drive to fight, to make change, to make things happen, and be successful is very admirable. Because there are times that people who have been incarcerated, they know what they want to do, but they don't have that drive. They don't meet that that human infrastructure that they need to put together to help them cross those roads that will get them to the goal line. And as you were able to do that, and as you were able to speak from experience, because you know what it feels like to have been inside, you know what it feels like maybe to even be wrongfully um, given a case or be implicated in something, and then to be a victim, to be a victim of a shooting it's just amazing that you have the attitude of wanting to fix it and make it better for others. I admire you for that, Brother Johnny, and Thank keep you. on doing what you're doing. Let's talk a bit about the sealing of the records. You know how some people feel that when they're a youth and they've done these bad things that it's sealed and nobody knows what they've done. Let's talk about how the past catches up with you and it comes back to haunt you and you got a right or wrong at some point in your life. Yeah, that, you know, so uh, I was involved in the incident and uh, the record was, was sealed, yet um, I think people, hey, if you certify as an adult, it's not going to be sealed. Or you may think that when you did something when you were younger, that it's going to be sealed. Um, it's not. And then people have this misconception of, I think they think about credit reports, and they'll say, doesn't it just fall off in seven years? It absolutely does not. That's mm -hmm. not a thing. Um, mm -hmm. Like, it's it stays there. Mm -hmm. And so even some charges that you get, from municipal court that you may think, well, it doesn't rise to the level of a felony conviction, it's a misdemeanor, they're still there. Mm -hmm. They're still there. Exactly. So is your arrest. Mm -hmm. Like, people forget about arrest records. You know, you could get arrested, and this happens a lot, you get arrested, and then they let you go, or the case goes away, or whatever happens. And in my case, you're right. I did, I did, uh, I was wrongly prosecuted for a year and then that case went away and and uh you know it's it's like these things come back to haunt you in your it comes not 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 just to haunt you but haunt your family mm -hmm. your your children um People, who, your loved ones. There's been incidents where people, you know, got evicted because either the the, 
the the man or woman has a has a conviction. Or me, you know, my son had cancer. He was diagnosed with stage four high risk neuroblastoma. He had cancer. He passed away five days before his fourth birthday. And I remember when I moved to St. Jude, they were like, you have to get benefits from the city where you live in because you're not a resident. And I could not get, and you can't work, right? Because mm-hmm. your kid has cancer, you have to go to chemo. And they were like, well, you can't get any assistance because you're, you're a felon. And so my son never did anything to anyone. He, he, he just, he had cancer. Mm-hmm. And so I'll, I couldn't get the benefits that, not for me, but for him because of what I did. And so these things catch up with you. Yes, and you have to deal with them one thing at a time. We're gonna go to a break in a few moments, but I would like for you to share with the audience when we come back the impacts of not only on your family and your son, but how did your mother, how did your other relatives and extended families feel about you when you first came home and how do they feel about you now? I do want to thank our listeners for um, joining us today because you're going to get information on how you can help others who need to get their records expunged in just a few moments. Well, we're going to go ahead and do that right now then because we're going to be off the air in a few. How about sharing with the audience what they can do, what steps they need to take to get expungement for them or family members? Well, uh, anyone's welcome to come to our clinic. We operate at uh, the UMKC School of Law, which is on 52nd and Oak. But more importantly, you can Google the Clear My Record Project or Expungement Clinic. And again, uh, there'll be an intake form and you can fill out that form. It'll go to our team and someone will be able to uh, contact you. So again, uh, we've got cmrmo.org. You can always go there or clear my record, uh, missouri.org. And someone can go and start that process and we'll get back to them. Okay, and CMR stands for Clear My Record, M-O-Missouri.org. Correct. All right. Once again, if you're interested, Clear My Record, M-O.org. I thank you for listening to us today. Enjoy the celebration this week of expungement, and we will... See you again with more information on how to get our lives in order. Thank you very much, Johnny Waller, for joining us. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Coming up Thursday, September 21st at 7 p.m. on the People Power Hour brought to you by Casey Tenants, we'll be talking about the Tenant Bill of Rights. Our guests will be Brandy Granados and Janae Manley, two people that were instrumental in both writing it and getting it passed. Want to know how we got here and how it can protect you from slumlords? Tune in to the People Power Hour brought to you by Casey Tenants on September 21st at 7 p.m. Are you passionate about making a difference in your community? So are we. KKFI's Community Voices series is dedicated to featuring local individuals and organizations that are driving positive change. If you have a story to share or initiative that you want to showcase, we invite you to submit your information at kkfi.org slash community voices. Together, let's amplify your impact and inspire others to join the movement. Join us on Community Voices and to share the positive differences made in our communities. 
Did you know your business or organization could be sponsoring this episode of Jaws of Justice Radio? Learn more at kkfi.org slash marketing. Now the calendar for the week of September 18th. Legal Aid of Western Missouri provides free civil legal services to low-income and vulnerable people in Jackson County, Missouri. Interested individuals can call 816-474-6750 to apply. Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America is a very active group of mothers and others. You can learn where their virtual meetings this week will occur at momsdemandaction.org. Tuesday, September 19th, 11 a.m., there's a writing group at the DARE Center for the Homeless, 944 Kentucky, Lawrence, Kansas. Poets, rappers, songwriters, and dreamers. If you have questions about the writing group, please contact Brian at DARE. Tuesday, September 19th, 5 to 8 p.m., Culture Night at the Southeast Community Center, 4201 East 65th Street, Kansas City, Missouri. Heart of America Indian Center, Kansas City Indian Center, Taco Bar, Door Prizes, Youth and Cultural Activities, Voter Registration, Indigenous Foods, Activities for the Whole Family. Thursday, September 21st, 10 to 11 a.m., Empower Missouri's Community Justice Coalition is a multi-sector team of dedicated advocates who envision a future without mass incarceration. For the access link, you can go to empowermissouri.org. Thursday, September 21st, 5 to 7 p.m., the Hope and Healing for Survivors of Homicide will meet at 3200 Wayne Avenue, Kansas City, Missouri. Please contact 816-912-2601 for information. You can follow social media for KC Mothers in Charge for updates. Thursday, September 21st, 6 p.m. on Zoom, Reexamining Justice, How Restorative Principles Can End the Death Penalty in Kansas. This is hosted by the Casey Coalition Against the Death Penalty. To register, send your name and address to info at ksabolition.org or call 785-235-2237. Saturday, September 23rd, 9.30 a.m. to 4 p.m., community remembrance projects across the state are documenting and memorializing the eras of enslavement, racial terror, lynching, and segregation, and they are fostering meaningful dialogue around repair. This will be at the Black Archives of Mid-America, 1722 East 17th Street, Kansas City, Missouri. You can register at crp-mo.org. A list of services, meals, and hotlines specific to sheltering are available at lawrenceprogressivecalendar.blogspot.com. That list is updated daily. My name is Terry, reminding you that these events and more can be found on the Jaws of Justice radio page on the KKFI website, kkfi.org as well as on the Jaws of Justice Radio Facebook page. Stay safe. Thanks to all our listeners. Stay close to your dial and stay well. We'll now return to our program. This is Terry Wilkie again, and I've got two guests on the line. Thank goodness for technology. I'm speaking with Jeffrey Stack in Columbia, Missouri. Jeff, can you hear me all right? 
I can indeed. Thanks. All right. Very good to be with you. Thank you. And Halo Benson, she's in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's like we're all in the same room. <laughs> I'm in Kansas City. Halo, are you? Am I coming through to you? Okay. Loud and clear, Terry. Thank you. Good morning to both of you. Listeners, I first heard of these two by listening to a radio broadcast called Sex, Drugs, and Civil Liberties, produced by our sister station, Community Radio KOPN 89.5 FM from Columbia, Missouri. Their topic was Julian Assange and WikiLeaks. And so let's start with you, Halo. What is WikiLeaks? WikiLeaks is an organization that was founded by and created by Julian Assange, where whistleblowers um, around the world could safely and securely, um, ex- you know, uh, submit documents and information um, so that they could publish it for the world to see. Thank so you for it was that. A new way of, of doing journalism, uh, you know. Right. Thank you for that. I'm gonna back you up just a little bit so whistleblowers okay now that is a term of art which refers to a person whistleblowers are police so it's if anyone sees an offense they say hey this is an offense potentially against the law or against the social order and is that what WikiLeaks was established to disseminate? Well, I mean, in part, I mean, that's what journalists do every day is they get a source um, and find out what the, the information the source has to offer. And this just made it where people could safely, without exposing their identity even to WikiLeaks, blow blow the whistle on things any wrongdoings or like you said crimes or things that go against the social order that they see happening in whatever field they're working in right thank you for that now then uh go ahead jeff is that do i hear you yes indeed yeah terry it's an interesting term you you know that that's exactly what whistleblowing means maybe at its roots but obviously in our society the police are not always the ones that are blowing the whistle on the truth or on and injustices. In fact, oftentimes they're part of the problem. But uh, yeah, I don't want to get into the weeds too much on that. But yeah, whistleblowing is a noble, noble action to try to call attention to uh, greater harms that are occurring in WikiLeaks when Julian Assange uh, allowed provided a platform for for information. We've never had this kind of awareness of of. Uh, corruption and of uh, war crimes, uh, thanks to Julian Assange and, and WikiLeaks. Well, yes, and as we were talking, it occurs to me it's, there's another use of blowing whistles, and that's referees. So we're all very sports-oriented, and referees are watching the rules. They call, they blow a whistle if you go out of bounds, and so that might or might not be an offense you know, a, a, a chargeable offense, but it's just sort of a way to keep uh, a social order. WikiLeaks uh, began in 2006, and it's a nonprofit founded by donations and media partnerships, 
And it's published classified documents and other media provided by Halo, as you told us, anonymous sources. And it keeps people's identity anonymous. This was founded by Julian Assange, an Australian editor, publisher, and activist. And so Julian Assange is currently in prison in Belmarsh, which is a London prison. Isn't that correct, Halo? Yes, it's referred to as the Guantanamo Bay of the United Kingdom. Yes, he's been in prison for four years. Uh, prior to that, he had sought political asylum at the Ecuadorian embassy in London. Um, and he's been, since he was taken from the embassy four years ago, he's sitting in prison um, to see whether they are going to extradite him to the United States to face charges here under the Espionage Act, which is supposed to be something for spies. He's, he's a journalist. He's not a spy. Um, he didn't expose government secrets. He exposed government crimes. Um, so right now he's waiting to see whether the UK is going to extradite him. And he faces up to 175 years here in the U.S. for publishing what is, has been proven to be truthful information about government crimes. Right. He came to international attention in 2010 when WikiLeaks published a series of leaks from U.S. Army intelligence analyst Chelsea Manning. So say a few words about about that. And I think Manning was before Snowden. Am I is this correct? Yes. Yes. So what what were these what were what was this information? Say a few words about it. Halo, do you um, want to? I think the most impactful um, thing that came out of those publications was the collateral, collateral murder video. In it, um, there are pilots in an Apache helicopter, and they gun down civilians um, in, in Iraq, uh, two that are Reuters journalists. And accidents can happen you know in war friendly fire we've we've all heard about that but when you the the video comes from the apache helicopters cameras and so the sound is very very clear and you hear the pilots speaking as though they're playing a video game not actually just killing human beings it's it's almost like they're playing a video game and when asked about the when Reuters inquired into the deaths of their journalists, they were told lies to cover up the the mistake that was made. They saw a camera lens and um, thought it was a gun, and they fired on these civilians. And they kept firing even when a um, a, a civilian, you know, just a, a regular a van with a man with his kids on his way taking his kids to school stopped to help the injured journalists they opened fire on them as well and and then proceeded to lie about it for quite some time and when chelsea manning then was called bradley manning um was an intelligence analyst and saw these crimes and she submitted it to wikileaks brought it to the world's attention you know, I'll tell you, Halo, I have a friend who, excuse me, Jeff, a second, I, who ha, I have a friend who works with the military in Leavenworth, Kansas, 
And in fact, very high level officers do sit around and play the equivalent of video games. And they see it as military strategy. So that's very interesting. Okay, Jeff, I interrupted you. What were you going to say? Oh, no worries. Um, well, I think with that collateral murder video, too, what was, just, what was especially chilling, as Hale was referring, there was also the communications logs. Those, those folks who were flying the Apache helicopter were asking for and received um, permission to go ahead and fire upon these people. And so you hear you hear how the military works. It is, you know, there's a, there's communication and, and people higher up allowing these, these kind of killings to happen. And this was not nearly the only video that was made available by the release of Chelsea Manning to WikiLeaks, but uh, thousands of others, uh, apparently uh, different incidents uh, showing up to 66,000 civilians killed among 109,000 known casualties. And the U.S. military also continued to insist that they had no idea how many people were killed. So this kind of information was invaluable for the public to learn. You know, back to your, your one uh, metaphor you're talking about, Harry, we're uh, in the situation where WikiLeaks, Julian Assange, uh, Chelsea Manning are in essence being referees on, on uh, actions by the U.S. military. And rather than having the people commit these crimes being held to account, we have the referee uh, being actually uh, punished and in prison right now. Uh, that's yeah, very good, Jeff. Um, I can see the logic of your thought. I can't see much logic behind the Assange situation. I tried to make a timeline. He was arrested in Europe and then that charge was dropped and he feared extradition to the United States so he went into embassies for many, many years and then he was finally put in Belmarsh. He's been in Belmarsh for four years now. And I think that it is at the forefront that there is a question of whether he will be extradited uh, to the United States. Do you agree with that? Yeah, that's what we're waiting to find out now. He has one more um, appeal coming up. We haven't been given a date, um, but we suspect soon. Um, and that is his last appeal. And that will be before two judges in the UK courts. And then, um, and then if they deny his appeal, he will be sent here to face charges under the Espionage Act. Now, the, the Espionage East. Act is how the United States convicted Chelsea Manning. And yet, Chelsea Manning is no longer in prison. Isn't that correct? I mean, she served seven years. That's correct. She and Barack Obama um, commuted her sentence, and she was released early. Um, but, well, one could argue she should have never been in prison in the first place. Um, you know, when in the military, you take an oath to the Constitution. Um, it was her duty. I, I feel like, I think obviously she felt like um, it was her duty to tell the public what their tax dollars were being used for. Like I said, she, you know, WikiLeaks doesn't expose government secrets, it exposes government crimes. Well, WikiLeaks exposes, and um, I believe 
it's safe to say WikiLeaks exposes news items of interest. So Chelsea Manning, as a soldier, had a fealty to her military operations, and it's a classified document. And she did serve time in prison. Now then, Julian Assange, he's not a member of any military, is he? No, he's not. He's also not even an American citizen. He's an Australian citizen. So this is also extraterritorial judicial reach that the United States seems to think that it has, you know, to police the journalists anywhere in the world. He's not even an American citizen. Well, so he's not in a United States prison at this time. And there hasn't been any kind of suggestion that the president will pardon Assange. I assume he's been asked. Jeff, do you know, has the Biden administration? Well, in fact, we want the we'd like the Biden administration to drop the persecution of Julian Assange. I mean, it's not, you know, he's the great Great Britain is is working on behalf of the U.S. without a doubt, you know, doing whatever they've wanted. And the only thing that's keeping him from being extradited to this point, it would seem to me, is that there's been a lot of public pressure around the world, a lot of embarrassment for the U.S. Uh, you know, the, the crimes that he that, that were committed were were uh, showing to the world what the behavior of the United States is. And, and because the U.S. empire is being embarrassed and because the, uh, the machinations, the way that the the government works and the way that um, the war, you know war crimes being known to the world that's the that's the crime you know to embarrass the 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 uh, the empire. I will mention maybe two, Terry. Just you know, besides the the, the uh, Iraq war logs, there are also for uh, um, Chelsea Manning passed on WikiLeaks the Afghan war logs, also uh, the Guantanamo files showing the systemic abuse of 800 plus prisoners at Guantanamo Bay from 2007 to 2011. The cable gate uh, showing uh, U.S. Uh, interactions with, with nations around the world through their uh, diplomatic uh, missions and all. And a quarter million reports issued, many what, that really highlighted some of the malfeasance uh, between different uh, Within different countries, a lot of a lot of awareness for people that, Kale, uh, you talked about this the other day, uh, about some of what uh, what was shown to the world and and how people elsewhere in the world responded to the information about, about uh, corruption within their own country. I know you mentioned about Iceland. Um, do you want to talk about that or anything like that? Well, we're we're the only country that didn't take the information given um, to us by WikiLeaks and go prosecute the criminals in other countries it inspired revolutions um when they found out that their leaders were corrupt they jailed them they elected new people here all they've done is you know threaten to drone him you know julian assange threatened to assassinate him and when you were asking about a pardon before um when the the indict the grand jury that was looking to indict Julian Assange was in place 
during Barack Obama's um, presidency. And he never went the final step to try to prosecute because of what he called the New York Times problem. That if we go after Julian Assange, we might as well go after the New York Times and The Guardian and and all these other different media giants. Um, And so he never brought charges. During Trump's presidency, Donald Trump um, brought is the one who brought the charges against Julian Assange, and he was petitioned to pardon him at the end of his presidency, and he did not. And um, now, with you know, it's been ongoing with President Biden. And the reason that we're asking, though, that the charges be dropped rather than a pardon, because the charges are a direct violation of our First Amendment rights as Americans, our right to a free press. Um, to, uh, you know, a pardon suggests that a crime has been committed. No crime, has, the only crime being committed are these charges against the journalists themselves. But that's the crime. Doing journalism, expo- you know, giving information to the public that is in the public interest that's that's what the job of journalists is to do and that activity is protected under our first amendment and that's why thank we you. ask for the charges to be dropped right thank you halo you feel as if the publications have been the catalyst for a lot of change in other countries but in our country it has been the catalyst for suppression and the need to punish the messenger assange and manning and snowden and that this is a First Amendment issue. Thank you, Halo, for that, yes. Uh, what did you want to say about it, Jeff? Oh, I agree. <clears throat> I mean, you know, the First Amendment, <clears throat> the First Amendment, uh, it covers anybody who, want, who needs to share information. You know, we have a right to share, to, to, to publish, to, uh, for the press. I mean, it's essential. It's in, <clears throat> sorry about that. It's foundational for for democracy, you know. And the thing about it is, you know, the United States is setting a pretty, pretty horrible precedent here by trying to prosecute Julian Assange. I mean, what would prevent prevent China, for instance, or Venezuela, or Iran, or Egypt, or any other country from saying that they don't like what a certain uh, journalist or publicist is saying about their government or their operations, or they've made they've made some. Um, you know, some variety of, of um, so-called um, secret secret document made public. Well, what's going to prevent any of those other countries from saying, you know, we're going to we're going to go ahead and prosecute this U.S. journalist, maybe, you know, and go ahead and, and imprison him against, you know, for violating uh, our our interests as a country, our our national security, if you will. That's what kind of the big boogeyman is in general. But 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 you know the United States we're we're supposed to be a democracy the world's leading democracy yet we are suppressing uh, and and trying to persecute this man for uh, for telling the truth about or helping to allow the truth to be told and uh, it's um, it, it's really the um, the empire responding rather than a democracy responding. Right. Thank you, Jeff. Now, then, you live in Columbia, Missouri. How can a listener find you or get a hold of you in Columbia, Missouri? Do you have a website or? Yes, and I am with the. I help coordinate the group. A group called the Men Missouri Fellowship of Reconciliation. My phone number here is five seven three four four nine four five eight five. And Terry, I will. I will mention. Maybe you're going to get to this in a little bit, but I am working with. Um, with other activists around the state in St. Louis and Kansas City, Springfield, 
through the Heartland Peace and Justice Network. And so we're hoping to arrange for uh, a tour uh, next month, the end of next month, dates to be determined. Um, but with Halo coming and joining us and speaking about Julian Assange and also be showing a documentary uh, helping to explain or show uh, show who Julian Assange is and WikiLeaks uh, and, and looking at the war on journalism that has been uh, ongoing now. So we'll have more details about that later on. Yeah, thank you. And keep us uh, apprised because we do run a calendar. Now, Halo, you have a website, Free Assange. I mean, it's not yours, but you're on it. And you've come up with seed kits. Can you tell us how to contact you and say just we only have two minutes say a few words about your seed kits um they're a box that i send to people that are interested that have pre-written pre-stamped letters to and it's um customized to anybody's location in the united states to your representatives to everybody that you can write and call and with bumper stickers and keychains and pens the usual kind of thing like that and i met um tulsa for assange on twitter or Halo Benson on Twitter. And my phone number is 539-900-5403. And anywhere you happen to be in the country, I can connect you with other activists in your area. Thank you for that. I put the uh, free Assange link on the episode page for this show. So my name's Terry Wilkie. I'm sorry, Jeff, what did you want to say? I want to say I want to encourage listeners to go ahead and contact, call the White House, urge President Biden to set Assange free or not, or to, to halt persecution. They can call the comment line at 202-456-1111 or call or send a note via the White House website anyway, whitehouse.gov, and, and write a letter. We need to, need to kind of put our, ourselves in line a little bit and, and let Biden know that we uh, oppose the persecution or contact the Attorney General, Mayor Garland, as well. Uh, that phone number you call, 202-353-1555. Thank you for that, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. And Halo, we're talking about freedom of the press in the United States, and it's very, very important. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you, Terry. I'm David Swanson. Radio, we are talking about the latest developments in the prosecution and persecution of Julian Assange. Our guest, Greg Barnes, a senior counsel, is an Australian barrister speaking to us from Australia. He is a former president of the Australian Lawyers Alliance. He was appointed senior counsel in Tasmania in 2020. He is chair of the Prisoner's Legal Service in Tasmania and is a patron of the Justice Reform Initiative. Greg Barnes, welcome to Talk World Radio. Thanks, David. I I should also declare that I'm an advisor to the Australian Assange campaign. Very good. Glad that you are. So uh, who is coming to the United States and what for? Well, there's a small group of Australian MPs, both from the House of Representatives and the Senate, coming to Washington between uh, roughly between the 20th and 22nd of September. It's a cross-party delegation, so it includes people from the left and from the right in Australia going to Washington to meet with congressmen, uh, congresswomen, um, and uh, other officials, uh, certainly including in the uh, Biden administration, 
to discuss uh, freeing Julian Assange, essentially, that the US should stop its continued attempt to prosecute Assange and allow him to be reunited with his family. And do these members of parliament represent a consensus view? Uh, what are the views within the, the Australian government now? Well, just to take that, that first point, there was a letter that's been signed now by well over 60 MPs. There are 237 MPs in the federal parliament in Australia. So uh, over 60 now getting up towards 70 have signed a letter uh, supporting Julian Assange. Uh, there's also strong support on the behalf of the Albanese government. The Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, is very supportive of the US ending the case against Assange. And significantly, the Conservative opposition has now said it supports the release of Julian Assange or the ending of the US legal proceedings against Julian Assange. So there is strong community support in Australia. There's very little opposition to this occurring. And will they be meeting with the U.S. Attorney General or the President or members of Congress, or will they be protesting out on the sidewalk like me? What what will they be up to? The Australian Embassy has a, will have a, a role in setting up some of those meetings. I think that the process is trying to meet with some of the relevant U.S. government departments, um, but making it very clear to both the Congress and to the Biden administration that this is a united front, and there is a strong view in Australia that this is now an alliance issue. In other words, you know, the US, of course, sees Australia as its number one ally in the Asia-Pacific region, and in fact, globally. And this is now an issue that's really harming the alliance between Australia and the United States. And that message is going to be very clearly put across by these MPs. you enjoyed today's show and that we leave you with something to think about, something to talk to your neighbors about, and a reason to get involved. As always, the opinions expressed are those of the host and the guest of Jaws of Justice Radio, not of KKFI, the Midcoast Radio Project Incorporated, its staff or volunteers. You can find our calendar of events and a link to our show episodes on the Jaws of Justice Radio Facebook page. You can always listen to us live and find our podcast on the KKFI website, kkfi.org. If you have a show idea or want to help produce the show, you can send an email inquiry or comment to kkfi.org forward slash contact. This is Jeff reminding you our outro music is Higher Ground from the Playing for Chain CD. 